1: The place to be, to be.
0: Mmm. Oh, God, you have great questions.
1: Again, who in the hell writes these questions? I know you do, but, my God, these are great. Um.
0: Wow. Uh, I thought this was going to be an easy question. Usually, you get to the last question. It's like, just take it home. Um, that is a really good question. So,
2: a big learning there started to be around uh, not only perception and perception like brand, um, but also how I was navigating prioritizing my time.
3: Salutations and welcome back to Tiny Giants, the creator economy show that's about career over celebrity. I am your host, T Adela, your favorite former 400 pounder getting you fit on all things creator economy. And you just heard a short snippet from today's guest, Adanta Ahanonu. Adanta Ahanonu is a nonprofit executive leader with expertise in program management at the intersection of workforce development and higher education, and has a strong passion for helping others achieve their full potential. Currently, she serves as the chief program officer at Co-op Careers, a national nonprofit focused on overcoming underemployment for recent first-generation college grads through digital skills and peer connections. Prior to joining Co-op, Adanta spent over six years at the national nonprofit Year Up, and before then, she worked in the private sector. Adanta is an alumni fellow of the Surge Institute and UMass Boston's Emerging Leaders Program and is on the board of Rivet School. Additionally, Adanta is a member of the National Coalition of 100 Black Women's Oakland Bay Area Chapter and a member of the Women's Network Chief. Adanta earned her Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration from Boston University and her Master's in Nonprofit Leadership from the University of Pennsylvania. She is also a dance enthusiast, spin devotee, and dedicated to running a half marathon each year. So without further ado, my conversation with tiny giant Adanta Ahanonu. Adanta, thanks so much for joining me.
2: Thank you for having me, T.
3: Yes, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because... The whole premise of this show is that you get big by going small, right? Mm -hmm. Don't try to boil the ocean. Don't try to be all things to all people. Pick a lane, pick a niche or niche if you're fancy, focus on that. And then once you have success in that field, that's when you start to blow up and get known for other things, right? A perfect example being Amazon, right? They started as a bookstore and now they get everything when it comes to Mm e-commerce, which you have certainly shown that in your giant career, but nobody starts out at the top. So take us back. Tell us that origin story. How did you pick your niche or maybe how your niche picked you?
2: Oh, I love that. No, thank you. So I'll start off. I am the oldest of four and my parents are both immigrants. So my mom's from Uganda and my dad is from Nigeria. And growing up, I just always loved being in charge. Um, I loved guiding my siblings as the oldest. Um, I was that kid in kindergarten that when the teacher had to step out of the room, I would raise my hand and say, do you want me to watch over the children? And she would look and be like, you mean your kindergarten peers? Um, but I just loved being able to like serve others. To me, at a very young age, that was very evident. And I loved being able to support others and achieving their potential. So Uh, one way that that showed up is for the brother, that's right below me. Anything I was learning in math class, I would teach him. And so by the time we were both in high school, he was in my same AP class with me, which for me was a little embarrassing because I was a senior and he was a sophomore. Um, But I loved the idea of helping people learn and grow in new ways and teaching them what I was learning and getting them in a position to grow themselves. But I didn't really understand how that would show up into my career until so much later. So when I grew up, I was also a dancer, and um, learned a lot of discipline, learned right a lot of creativity. Um, loved choreographing, loved performing, uh, loved speaking in front of others, and um, really honed the love and power of earning feedback. Like in, in any kind of sport, right, or, or artistic space, you want feedback, right? When the dance instructor is giving you feedback, that means that they see your potential, and so I that's that hunger for feedback and learning and growth. Um, really developed in that space. When I graduated from college, I thought I wanted to uh, travel around the world and represent a U.S. company. I studied international relations and uh, management. I've always been fascinated with other cultures, which I think comes from my parents. And like many of us do, you like dream big and graduate with one major, and then you go and do something completely different. Yeah. Um so <laughs> exactly I, that <laughs> I'm gonna study business in college and I will focus on international management and relations, and a company will pay me to travel around the world. And instead, I ended up um an hour outside of Boston at an insurance company um and at their headquarters in Worcester, Massachusetts. And so very different than this kind of whole dream that I had for myself. Um and so I loved what you shared at the very beginning of. You know, just because we are in specific spaces doesn't mean we just jumped into that role. And where I was initially looked very different. I, at this insurance company, went through a business rotational program. And during that time, I got to understand how different aspects of businesses or of a business and a big company, right, operated. Um, And during that time, one of the skill sets that I really got to develop was relationship management account management. I was responsible for kind of doing training and IT consulting for the New England region within the tech. Team at an insurance company. And while I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, um, what I actually was able to model again was an account management relationship management skill set. And during that time, I also got to manage interns. And so that started getting me this experience of what it felt like to people manage. And then one thing I'll say that I really appreciate about this insurance company is that they were heavily involved in their local community. And so during that time, in addition to my day-to-day work, I started heavily volunteering outside of work. Um, I volunteered through Big Girls Big Sisters, through Girls Inc., through United Way, through an organization called Collegiate Success Institute. And through each of those opportunities, I started to find this passion. that was like fueling inside of me for, again, serving others. Like this passion when I was younger, but showed up in me with my siblings, start to show up in these students that I was working with. And when people would ask me how life was, I would rave about all these incredible humans I had been mentoring and guiding and all I was learning from them. And people would be, yeah, yeah, but house insurance? And I was like, oh, that's whatever. But this young person the other day, and, and the more I would say that, people were like, I think, I think you're in the wrong career. But I had never allowed myself to really think about transitioning into the nonprofit space. And part of that, again, being the oldest of four, parents being immigrants, still thinking about where I was supporting my family financially. Um, I wanted to grow as much as I could in my career to be able to financially support and the idea of shifting to a nonprofit where I didn't really understand how funding and money and all that worked, what I had benefits, um, felt really scary. But I was lucky that just through mentorship and guidance, one mentor said to me, if there's a time for you to make this shift and take a pay cut, when you only are having to take care of yourself, that will allow you to be able to grow in your career. And when it's time to continue to take care of others, you will be in a space where you're better set up financially to do so. And she said, you can always come back to insurance. I don't think you will. But you can always come back. We will always be here. And so that's what's really encouraged me to take this leap and to say, I I think I want to follow this passion for helping others achieve their full potential and want to blend my background in studying business in college and working in the the private sector for my passion for particularly working with like opportunity youth and young adults. That age group is like where I think for me, that intersection, um, I felt like I could be most impactful. And so I stumbled across a national public called Year Up, and kind of the rest is history. Joined them, was with them for a number of years on the East and West Coast. And then um, in 2020, transitioned to a co-op career, where I am now uh, as the chief program officer.
3: Sage advice. And that's solid, because like she said, you can always go back. But when you don't have those responsibilities, you can just hop in and make the necessary sacrifices now that will pay dividends in the future. So Thank you for sharing that. So given your purview now, are there any giant non-obvious traps that you will call out for someone looking to enter the space? And I'll go first. So take me, for example, I'm a professional digital marketer by trade. And when I first cut my teeth almost, and I cannot believe I'm old enough to say this, almost 20 years ago, right? It's crazy because I'm at that special age where just for men is starting to target me on YouTube and other places. (laughs) And I am none too thrilled about it. But way back when I first graduated high school and went out into the job market, I just went to Google and typed in how to make money online. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was beset With uh, the most polite way to say is a bunch of nonsense, and I made a bunch of mistakes, which was part of my learning process. But I picked up a lot of bad habits that I wasn't aware of at the time I was learning it. And it wasn't until I went to Full Sail University and got my bachelor's degree in digital marketing that I had to unlearn a lot of that. Because you know, as we all know now, just because it's online. Doesn't mean it's credible or ethical or any of that. But at the time, and say I was green as a blade of grass doesn't quite say it. I mean, I I was damn near Namekian. I was so Mm -hmm. green for all my Dragon Ball Z fans out there. So given your space, someone who's green as a blade of grass, but they say, hey, I want to come into this space. Are there any giant non-obvious traps that you would warn them against?
2: Mm, That's great. Wow. So I think there's one that's coming up for me. And um, I mentioned earlier that like through dance and sports, I learned to love feedback. And when I was in college, I started to realize that I was losing sight of loving that feedback. And I think many people, when they go into college, they really find themselves. They find their voice, right? They find their leadership. They start to like really identify who they are. And when I got to college and I started challenging myself in new ways and taking hold of different opportunities, I started thinking like, oh, I'm kind of invincible. Like I got to do what I want, right? You're on this campus, you can eat what you want, you can sleep when you want, like all these things. And so what that included was there was an opportunity that I uh, received to be an orientation leader for a summer, which I was very excited about. And we went through this intensive kind of two-week training. And there was one day of training uh, that I didn't think I was going to be able to go to. I had a friend who wanted me to come visit them in college, out of state. And I decided I wanted to take the Amtrak to go see them instead. And so I messaged the director and said, thank you. I will not be at this training. I will be out of town. And said, like, best Adanta. Adanta. And I got a very long email from this director uh, sharing feedback with me on when you make a commitment, you then need to request to be able to step away from that commitment versus you telling someone else and particularly a boss and a leader, I'm just not going to show up to that thing. I'm not going to show up to that training. And at the time, I remember initially, I was like inside of me was like boiling. I was like, how dare they? Like, I should be able to do what I want when I want and like While technically, yes, I'm in control myself, I could still do what I wanted. A big learning there started to be around um, not only perception and perception like brand, um, but also how I was navigating, prioritizing my time and understanding the value. And for me, in that moment, I thought just going to that front for the weekend, I can leave early and skip to get on Amtrak early and not recognizing the impact, not only for myself, but by me not showing up, my kind of mini group and team I'd be working with, the impact that would have on them for me just not showing up in that moment. Um, And so this mentor sat me down. And we actually, after that email, we had a long conversation and I was able to hear that feedback. Um, But I think that is an example. And it showed up a few other times in college where I I received similar feedback of things where I said, hey, I just won't be at that, you know, residence hall meeting because I was also an RA. Um, And that I got feedback from that director too saying, hey, actually, um, you can request that time away but uh, this is a required meeting. And so you just saying, hey, I have homework to do. I'm going to step away. You need to just think about when you get into your career, how you navigate managing priorities and requesting some of that time. And so while it all seems so simple, I think that was a really big learning for me as I then went into my career. And when I first started within the insurance space, is starting to understand what are actually the spaces that I want to prioritize being in. And by me thinking of some priorities that in different parts of my career or my personal life that felt really important. How do I start thinking about how I'm engaging with team members, what the impact is when I'm not in space, so I'm not showing up, um, and then how I'm engaging with a supervisor or manager, where we're building that mutual respect, that mutual relationship. And if I'm, I'm asking them to respect me, that I'm also showing them that respect of the time that they are investing in me by putting me in certain spaces.
3: That's strong. That's really, really strong. And thank you for sharing that because feedback is a gift. And it's a gift that not all of us get because something I've struggled with throughout my life is that I don't get, I tend, let me me rephrase this. I've struggled to not only get that type of feedback, but hear it, right? Because it's one thing to receive it. It's another to actually be open enough to take it in to your point. And Another thing that you touched on is your personal brand, right? Jeff Bezos says that your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room, mm-hmm. right? So if you do things like that, now you get this reputation that follows you around, whether or not you you like it or you want it to. So it's very important to be cognizant of that. So I love to everything you just said, right? So another benefit of being a giant in the space is that you get to throw your weight around. You get to knock down mountains and move trees and do all of this stuff at the C-suite. So given your purview and your giant space, how are you reshaping the landscape?
2: It's an excellent question. Such a big question too. I love it. I think one big piece that stands out to me, which seems simple and can be hard to practice is around values leadership. So when I think about really early on in my career and I would look at different leaders, I'm someone who I learn a lot from observing. So from public speaking, from how folks move in spaces, I'm always observing and understanding and taking some things that I love from so many different people within my life. And something I used to really early on in my career, is look at these different leaders and the themes that I saw from leaders that I most respected and admired was that they led from a values perspective. So when I think about how I show up and I show up for my team and how I show up for our executive team, how I show up for external stakeholders, I'm always thinking about some of my own personal values around respect, my own personal values around just personal growth and what you were sharing earlier about, like feedback being a gift. And if I'm not only delivering feedback to my team, but how am I consistently soliciting feedback and asking for feedback and demonstrating the act of listening, but also what it means to be in the seat and particularly as a black woman in the seat, what does it mean for me to be a champion of others, both directly being a champion for internal staff members who are wanting to grow in their careers and, um, Specifically looking at not only all the staff, but our, our Black brothers and sisters and where I can kind of reach and be that hand for them as so many others have been for me, but also externally outside of the organization. Uh, very early on in my career, I would reach out to people on LinkedIn and send these messages and out of 100 messages, maybe five people would respond and I would have coffee, you know, virtual coffee sessions or phone informational interviews with those five people and I would learn so much that then would fuel me to get to the next conversation, the next conversation. And I think about those five people and I always want to be one of those five people for some of those people who are reaching out who may not feel like they can get in spaces where they can hear advice, or recommendations on how they can achieve their future plans. And again, because so many people have did that for me, that is something when I think about me being in this seat, really trying to never be too busy to take those conversations, even if it's happening a few weeks or months out, I still want to make the time to be in that space. And then to understand how to kind of disrupt this mindset of in a leadership role, you have to be serious and mean and tough and da-da-da, but actually what it means to bring humanity and that, again, the values of leadership and centering around the human and the people and empowering others to be successful. Because again, I genuinely believe that as a leader, people are not going to follow you unless you're empowering them, right, to want to go and grow within your leadership um, and so for me, that's like number one. And it's been really rewarding, and exciting to be able to like put that yeah into, into fruition.
3: I dig it. I dig it. All that black girl magic. So we are going to take a short break and then when we get back, we're going to continue our conversation with tiny giant Adanta Ahanonyou.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant.
1: And we're back. So,
3: Adonton, now I want to switch gears and get a parental perspective from you. And this is irrespective if you have children or not, because there's this well-known African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. And throughout your career, you've touched a lot of young people. So if you pour into someone, you help guide them, you help lead them, then guess what? You are part of that village unquestionably. So you probably got upwards of a thousand kids. I only have three. But... With that said, all three of my children want to be YouTubers. I have a 13-year-old, I have a nine-year-old, and a soon-to-be seven-year-old as of this recording. My youngest son will be seven next month. And sort of the two stats that this show was founded on is the first is a stat by Lego and Harris Poll, which found that three times as many children, ages eight to 12, want to be YouTubers than astronauts, Mm -hmm. which my three certainly fall into. Now, follow that up. With a global survey, and this is worldwide from Adobe, that found that almost 50%, 49% of Gen Z say that they want to pursue content creation as a career, right? So something that sort of gives me pause a little bit as a parent is this tiny thing called the law of large numbers, Right. So if everybody rushes into the space and everybody wants to be Mr. Beast or, you know, whomever, there's going to be that much more noise. It's going to be that much more difficult to rise to the top. And a lot of folks are going to fall by the wayside, which is why niching down or niching is so important because niching is the answer to oversaturation
2: mm-hmm. right
3: so i know that's a little bit long of a lead up but i want to ask you a two part question so given all of that context and given all of that background how would you talk to me as a parent on how to lead and guide my young people through this new and burgeoning creator economy where this you know again everybody wants to be Mr. Beast and all this good stuff and sometimes they sort of lose sight of all of the other opportunities and and paths forward and then conversely if you were to talk to my 13 year old my 9 year old and my 7 year old directly what would you say to them
2: oof those are great questions um so there's a few things that that are coming up for me so one is this kind of concept of like you often can't be what you can't see, right? We hear that sometimes and how valuable exposure is. And what people are exposed to is what what sometimes what they think their limit is or what they think the opportunities are. I think back to the first or one of the early roles I had um, early on in my career. My title at the time was like training agency consultant and specialist for the New England region within the IT department insurance company. I remember thinking like, No one ever grows up and they say, when I grow up, I'm going to be the agency automation training specialist and consultant for the New England region at an insurance company, right? Um, (laughs) Right. And like that role, I actually learned a ton and really enjoyed and worked with really incredible people. Um, And while there was other passions that drew me in a different, different direction, there are people who continue to grow in their careers within that space. But I would have never known that that existed I had gone through that rotational program, as I mentioned, that gave me exposure to this other world and role that I never knew existed, that then gave me exposure to then this other opportunity and this other opportunity. And so I think about that phrase I was sharing earlier of right, we sometimes we can't be what we can't see. And now this opposite phrase of now we're in this world where like the TikToks and the instagrams the meadows are like so in the day-to-day face um, that so many individuals feel like all i can be or what i want to be and what feels really exciting and is this content creation is the youtuber i want to be able to make videos and get all these followers and get free things and life will be great and there's kind of this over expectation of the number of people that actually are successful doing those things, right? We see so many on TikTok and we assume everyone's viral videos are going viral all the time. And like you said, individuals are losing sight of all the other opportunities that are out there that can tap into their strengths that don't involve them needing to kind of, do some dances on TikTok, which there's nothing wrong with, right? As I said, I was a dancer earlier and that might not be everyone's superpower, even though everyone thinks that might be their superpower, and so I think what I would say to parents um, is what opportunities can you put in front of your kids that give them additional exposure? to other opportunities. And may that be through, and this is why I think LinkedIn and other platforms like LinkedIn are so powerful, is in so many, in the past, it would be harder to kind of go out of your immediate network to get connected to people who might want to take the conversation so that you or your kids or peers can learn about other opportunities. Whereas now, like I can tap into my network and someone says, hey, I really want to learn about like X product management at healthcare. And I might be able to go on my LinkedIn and say, okay, my sister's cousin's best friend, whoever, right? But whoever, I can eventually potentially get in contact with some folks or I can blind, right, reach out to some folks and get connected to then have them reach out to my kids and have a conversation. Um, And so I think about what are different opportunities of kind of summer camps, of after school programs. I know... Uh, you know, why I'm saying Big Brothers and so many other programs starting to have more opportunities to expose like that kind of career exploration so that kids are starting to understand what are some of the other superpowers that I have beyond what feels really exciting, and what feels really glamorous right now, which is the YouTubers and the content creation. But what are other opportunities and jobs that exist? And there's so many, so many that no none of us even know the titles for that exists in this moment. And then so many that are coming, right? Like five years ago, I don't know that most of us would have known what a like AI, whatever, like specialist might be. And now that's a role that exists. Um, and so I think the more that kids right now can start to zoom into some of their superpowers and understand what their strengths are. And maybe part of that's through simple kind of, they have these assessments like the Clifton strengths and the MBTI, right? That kind of can start to help you understand to help kids understand, wow, one of your strengths is working with your hands. How, what are some careers that could that you might actually really appreciate and enjoy that you might not even know exist that allow you to work with your hands in ways that aren't you just sitting behind a desk in your history class every day? Or, wow, you love moving. You're always moving. What are different opportunities for you within... Uh, digital animation that you might not even know exists that can actually like, right, really leverage that skill of of moving. Um, And so I think it's like helping kids to identify some of their own superpowers and helping connect those superpowers to other opportunities that exist through our own networks and peers and allowing folks to have those conversations.
3: Absolutely. You got to see it before you can be it, even if it's only in your mind's eye. Adanta, this has been tremendous. Nothing left to do but roll out the red carpet. Please tell the people how to connect with you. Give us all your social channels. Tell us about any giant projects you got coming up. The floor is yours.
2: Oh, thank you, T. Now, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for, for this opportunity and for creating this space. I absolutely love it. How folks can connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn, it's uh, Somali Adanta Ahananu, so actually fun fact, go by my middle name, Um, so that's S-A-M-A-L-I-E-A-D-A-N-T-A-A-H-A-N-O-N-U, I I know a little long, um, but you can find me on LinkedIn if you type in Adanta Ahananu, I'm one of the only Adantas on LinkedIn um, with that last name, so you'll probably find me pretty easily. Um, I'm on Twitter as well. I'm becoming more active on Twitter slowly. Um, and that's under Danta Hananu. And then just things that are coming up. I mean, I so I just finished a grad school program in December, which is super exciting. And so now I'm kind of in this like hibernation space and a little bit of rest, right? I think we're always like go, 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 go. And the last year and a half with work and school and life has been a lot of that. Um, and so I'm in this journey in these next few months of really tapping more into my personal life with my family, my friends, and my partner. And um, some of the things that I'm excited about is next week, I'm actually going to be in New Orleans for an alumni convening for this incredible fellowship I participated in a number of years ago called the Surge Institute, which is for leaders of color who work in education, nonprofit, and the public sector. And we all get to come together, be in community with each other, understand what it means to be a leader in that space. Um, And so I'm very excited to be in community with those humans in the upcoming uh, days and in weeks ahead. Um, And then for the future, I'm looking forward to attending some additional conferences in 2023 and seeing where I can both be a listener and a learner and where I may be able to shed some wisdom um, and share some of my own learning and insights from my career uh, so far.
3: I love it. Thank you so much for sharing, Adanta. And I go by T. Adeola for much the same reason, because... Idealize my middle name. I'm Nigerian as well. I was born indeed, I was born in Cincinnati, but my father's in Lagos. And so I am not the only Tammy Tayo on LinkedIn, not by a long start. Because for those who don't know, over here in America, Tammy Tayo is, you know, is rare and exotic and all that good stuff. But over in Nigeria, Timmy Tayo is like Bob Smith, Mm -hmm. right? It's a very common sort of name that you'd find. But, you know, I find that there's not as much competition for Mm -hmm. Adeola. So I I rank a little bit higher for T Adeola than I do for Timmy Tayo. But that's a little inside baseball. Adanta, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you so much, T. I really appreciate you and appreciate the space.
3: It's been an honor and a privilege. Tiny Giants is an audio companion to and the first chapter of my first book, Beyond Buzzwords. Social media, mobile, and other marketing buzzwords ain't the half of it. Available on Amazon. If you enjoyed this podcast, chances are good you'll like the book too. I'm proud to say that while the book has aged, it's not dated. Sure, some examples could be freshened up, but strategically, it's as rock solid as the day it was written not every author can say that i encourage you to pick it up and leave me a rating and review it really helps i have like one rating on that book from my mom because she loves me and i'm positive that you'll love it too head on over to tinygiants.tech for more episodes and whatever else i have going on while you're there leave me a voicemail with your question comment or feedback for improvement I may play that voice recording on a future episode as I answer your question or address your concern. If you, your company, or school needs help with college, career, and creator readiness strategy or to book me to speak, drop me a line at t at tinygiants.tech. If you or someone you know is doing big things in small or not so small niches, or as we like to call them, tiny giants, and they will make a great guest for the show, email me at t at tinygiants.tech. Thanks for listening. And remember, you get big by going small, but to prioritize career over celebrity. But no matter what you choose, know that I'm rooting for you.
1: Tune in to On The Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net, or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You heard them. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.